the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And this is a banner day for the podcast. Banner day. Because John is experiencing live the music of his father. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I think that's the name of a Daniel Day-Lewis movie. The music of <laughs> his, his father. father. Um, yeah, I still don't completely understand. What, music. <laughs> what, what, right. Uh, it's supposed to sound nice to me. I don't get it. It, it sounds pretty. And then you, you yeah. danced. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I noticed while I was putting because normally we haven't. We, this is the first time we've had it live, like for us to be able to hear it when we record. Right. And today I was I was pasting it into the logic file, and I noticed that like five seconds into it, somebody like drops a fork or something. <laughs> like there's a sound of just like I was eating spaghetti when we recorded it. Yeah, you love eating spaghetti and listening to classical guitar. It's my favorite. People are gonna love that sound. Yeah, the podcast. What's that? The, what you just did. Oh, this? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I know what I don't understand about that, though, is will you cut out what we just listened to and then put in a polished one? Was that just for us to listen to it, to plan? No, that's we talk a, about it? that. Well, people will actually... The, the recording you just played for us is what's going into the actual episode. Yeah, that's the same it. file that, that's going to go in. I mean, I, I could, I guess, do like an EDM remix right. of bop, it. Bop, bop, bop. Yeah. <laughs> You know. Oh wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, you went to a big, exciting event last week. I did. I went to the uh, Magic Castle, the Academy of Magical Arts' annual awards show. I l- very last minute got a ticket. Oh, okay. I got the night before someone texted me they had an extra ticket, and I went, "Yeah, I don't have anything to do." Are you, um, as a member, just does everyone get a chance to purchase one? Yeah. And I, I think for a, don't quote me on this, but. I think uh, from when they were doing it at bigger theaters, like the Saban mm-hmm. and the uh, the Orpheum and the Beverly Wilshire. Staples Center. Right. <laughs> I think I think there was a time where they were selling tickets to the public. I think. I don't, uh, I, yeah, you know what? I think this is true because I think I've driven around and like seen a marquee saying like Academy of Magical Arts. Yeah, they definitely had marquees at the theater leading up to it. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but given that it used to be more of a classic award show with performances, right. this year they've deviated from that. There was a little bit more, I think, appeal. I mean, not a lot of appeal to a public audience. Right. That, you know, they don't want to come watch a award so, show people they don't know. But you're I, descri- I, you, you were describing last time that now the awards are in one area and then you go into the castle for the performance. Usually there's a big award show and then everyone shuttles back to Hollywood and there's an after party at the castle. Yeah. This was similar and that there was an after party at the castle, but the actual awards ceremony happened in the parking lot. It actually looked pretty tight. We can get into it in a minute, but it actually looked pretty nice. Let's the- fucking get into it. Then <laughs> 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 your description. <laughs> um, uh, there, so there's yeah, pretty pretty nicely put together. And then instead of there was one magic performance. At the actual actually awards. actual thing, just because they they literally said what's we can't have an award show like this without having at least some magic in it. Oh. That was literally the lead in to someone who's in the close up gallery this week, uh, Matthew Holtzclaw. And he oh, Matthew little... Matthew Holtzclaw, I know from New York comedy. Oh, really? Yeah, I knew his name sounded familiar to me, and I could not tell you why. And he looked familiar, and he sounded his name sounds familiar. I don't know if I've seen him before or where I've crossed. Paths I don't know with if him, he's but... out here on the West Coast uh, more regularly now, but mm-hmm. um, I saw him at the Improv Theater. I used to do improv in New York a couple of times, do magic shows. Where'd you do uh, improv in New York? At the People's Improv Theater. Um, and Matthew is there had an IO a... in New York? There was what not was very. Actually, I don't know. I think there was at one point, but it must have been IO mm-hmm. East, maybe. Maybe. Um, so him and another guy would do 
magic duo magic show. And I remember that was that might have been the first time that I ever saw. Um, no, that's like the second time I ever saw like a mentalism act live. Oh, I see. And I remember that the other guy like pulled a really obscure childhood memory from an audience member. And I remember her overhearing her on the way out, just saying like, yeah, he just asked me about a story and he told it. I actually don't think now, now thinking back, I don't think that's what really happened. I bet there was just sort of more standard Mm pre-show happening. Um, I don't think he just said like, Hey, can you tell me a childhood anecdote? And then I'll act like I pulled it from, you know, um, but, uh, but that's how she remembered it. Yeah. That's, so yeah. that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Matthew Holtz called though, uh, has some very, uh, funny, um, magic videos. Oh, okay. Um, one in particular where he did a whole like coin thing, I think. And it was like, you know, do you guys notice anything funny about this move? And then at the end, it like, he like panned the camera down. And he wasn't wearing any pants. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, hey, speaking of funny, before we talk about the awards, yeah. I just want to quickly sh- shout out that I had never seen David Williamson before. Oh. And I think you had said he's one of the funniest people. I, I think he, he's as funny as any successful comedian, as any big name comedian. So I think he's I, one of the great comedy minds of the world. I got his Penguin Live, uh-huh. and the front of it is just like 30 minutes of his performance. Right. It, it, he, he is so funny. He's incredible. Yeah. He's, I, I truly think he is a brilliant comedian yeah. on bar with anybody in comedy yeah. uh, who just happens to be doing magic. I, think. I mean, from the moment that he's like, hello, everybody, I'm David Copperblain. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm on board with right. this dude. I, I mean, man, there is nothing. In, I, I remember a couple years ago at Magic Live, I think it was our 25th anniversary of the magazine. It was sort of, sort of a special convention for them. Um one there there's usually two big gala shows at Magic Live, like one on Monday and one on Wednesday night. And the Monday night one was they went through the history of some of their uh, front pages, their their cover stories, mm-hmm. and what they do is they'd show the cover from you know 1995, and it was this person, and then that person would perform. Oh, and they would kind of talk about them. They sort of talk about the history of that time and this sort of where That's they were cool. in the history of the magazine. And that person would would go, and it was an incredible show. And there was some stuff that was a cool look at history and there was some stuff that I'm surprised holds up as well as a piece of magic. You know, uh-huh. it was just a really well put together show. And one of the things was David Williamson and, um, they had a picture of his cover and it, it the, the David Williamson cover was him reaching into a trash can that said magic shop on it. And he's like in some dirty alley. And then they introduce him and the curtain opens up and he's reaching through the same trash can, pulling out popular magic props. This is when Derek Elgadio's <laughs> show was on. And then he pulls out like a gold brick. He's like, ah, oh, what, what, I don't know that is. And he throws it away. <laughs> And then he went on to do about 15 minutes, 15 minutes that everyone in that room had seen before. It was, he did the raccoon thing uh-huh. uh, with kids. And I've, I, it's one of the hardest I've ever seen anybody kill. And I've never seen people laugh that harder, including myself, at a act that they'd all seen and knew, th- knew the jokes of before. He right. just, you just let him go, and he, it's, he's unlike anything in the world. He's incredible. That's awesome. Uh, anyway, back to the awards. Right, back to the awards. Um, so... What did you think? And uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't really find a list of winners. Right. Oh, I have. They um, they keep posting one up on the. Uh, a couple people have casually posted one. I think this morning the Magic Castle posted one on their uh, the Facebook group. Ah. Um, I, I don't know if it'd be public or or not. Right. You could. I don't know if there's a public Magic Castle page. I, d- I don't think there is or one. an AMA page, but there's a members only page. And yes, so the. Big. I have the list here. I can go. Yeah. Over, I can go over it. I mean, actually. were you? What did you think of the awards in general? Um, the awards were fine. It moved along quick. Without the performances, I mean, the show was an hour and eight minutes, like an hour and ten minutes. Right. We were in and out of there real fast. Uh, 
there were some I, I heard some mumblings about um logistical things that some people like some people didn't like i like given that i did not buy a ticket directly and right. got the information the night before it felt wrong to comment on logistics because i i didn't have any information like i guess some email went out if you had a ticket or something that told you where to park i had no idea i showed up to the castle because usually what they'll do if there's something at the castle or something happening in the parking lot or some big thing they'll have a parking lot at the Hollywood Bowl that you park into, and then shuttles there. Like oh. when I, last time I went to Founders Day, which is you know January second, something like that. You you parked by the Hollywood Bowl and they shuttled you over. And then you shuttled back at the end of the night. I just figured I'll drive up, I'll see signs, something along those lines, and I never found one. And so I basically pulled in the front of the castle was coned off, so I had to go around the back way. And uh, a guy was like, "No, no, no, this is the lot you need to go to," and it's like ten minutes away. And so then I drove ten minutes away, and then I they oh. let you park, and then you, I waited in a shuttle for twenty five minutes. Oh. And I showed up a little late because of that. So again, I, I'm not going to say like, "Oh, that was a weird way of doing it," because I didn't. Yeah, you would have known to go directly to right. that lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to be like, "This was." Sh-. I mean, I just kind of showed up, and what happened happened. <laughs> uh, let me pull up the the list of winners. Nothing <laughs> you say. You like you ended up driving onto the stage. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the parking lot, right? Um, I would say, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I, I enjoyed myself. The food was really good. I thought they had a nice little buffet and, you know, an open wine bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I have some thoughts on the award ceremony itself, but the actual awards was fine. I had a lot of fun at the after party. So basically I, I didn't see very many shows. I was with a friend and we saw some other friends and, uh, there's a lot of cool shit around the castle. Oh, cool. Uh, they had, um. They basically had like a little one puzzle escape room you could walk through. Oh. Uh, there was a fortune teller who was really just like scaring people because ha- two thirds of the way through the fortune, something would pop out of the table. <laughs> and then that'd be the end of it. He's like, That's people cool. think I'm really reading the fortune. I'm, I'm not. Uh, but he would really lean into it for five minutes before he did that. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the, this was really cool. There was a Zoltar machine uh-huh. that as I walked past uh, in, in the corner of one of the dining rooms, it's sort of the, the corner you turn as you get from the main dining room to like the parlor. And so it's back in the corner. And I was like, oh, cool, Zoltar machine. And then I was sort of wondering, like, is that a pop culture thing? Is that just from Big? Or is it kind of a the fortune-telling machine? Or is it the fortune-telling machine because of Big? Right. When they said Zoltar in the movie, was it a thing that already existed? Right. Or, or did they invent Zoltar? My and now hunch is that it was for the movie. Do you my, know? I don't. But that would be my hunch as well. Because yeah. I, I, otherwise, I feel like a popular fortune teller would not have so much cultural resonance. Uh, resonance. Right. Anyway, but later on throughout the evening, you saw that the uh, – the Zoltar machine was like giving these fortunes, but also doing card tricks. Oh, really card tricks! And what was happening was for the whole for, for most of the evening, Ed Kwan was standing behind the Voltar machine, and he would reach his arms through, and he was doing card magic. Wow. In this Voltar Zoltar, Zoltar machine, it was pretty cool. Huh. It, was, it was fun. That was near the fortune teller, and then in the seance room, of course, another had... case of an Asian performer being whitewashed. <laughs> right. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, if it helps, the Zoltar was a very unfortunate Asian stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I don't think it was. I think it was just a white guy. I think Zoltar is like Greek. Sure. Um, um, and then in the in the seance room, they had a really cool. Where is the seance room? It's right when you go up the stairs to the dining room. It's to the left, and so if you're standing at the uh, where the mater D is, uh-huh. it's to your left. Oh, okay. Um, it's sort of the back room, which is currently closed as they're rebuilding the whole the whole seance. experience. They're redoing the entire thing. Ooh, I think Ben Schrader is a part of that committee, and and, cool. and I I've, I keep hearing little inklings that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about. But hmm. uh, it's, I've, I've never been to the old seance. Neither had I, but it sounds like it's going to be really cool. Oh, cool. They're, they're putting a lot of love into it, and it's it sounds like it's going to be fantastic. Awesome. At any rate, um, they had a, a legitimate automaton inside of the seance room. You could walk in, and this lady would 
activate it and it would do something it would do a magic trick for you and then give you a fortune and it was beautiful Ooh. This, just you know this little thing that was made of all of brass and wood and it was completely mechanical she hmm. said yeah this could be operated by a crank if we wanted it to i didn't see how she activated it she must have pressed some hidden button interesting but it was this beautiful base and then the base was like this little opening slot that had sort of a kind of a cherub sort of thing like crawling out of it in this kind of weird gothic way and then on top was this it's called the soothsayer and it was a tall man in this purple robe and there's a little po- like a um sort of a marble podium in front of him uh that like a marble column um that went up to about his waist that had a little red cushion and a little skull on it mm. and the she would do the thing and he would turn and he would look at you it looked like the thing made eye contact with me it was weird uh-huh. uh and it kind of looked at the three of us standing there and then it, it levitated. It kind of waved its wand, and the skull in front of you levitated up about four inches, Whoa. and then went back down, and then it generated a fortune for you. And then she gave me a little fortune that I want. So right. now, when you say automaton, do you mean like a clockworky thing? Yes. Like, do you think it was an old actual one, or like somebody made like a Raspberry Pi? Computer? No, it was old actual. She said it was oh. complete. It was completely mechanical, completely brass and wood, um, and so it, it was just incredibly intricate, very valuable. Yeah, I mean, there was you know. There was rope, like, you can just walk into the room. There, you can <laughs> walk and be like, the, hey, what's with this thingamajig? Right, right, right. And then she would like, yeah, come on in. She would open the rope. And then uh, the uh, the the creator of it or the owner of it was there. He was not in the room when we did it. She said he'll be coming back soon. We missed him. So I'm sure there was, you know, it was guarded. Yeah, that's, that's uh, It wasn't just amazing. like, come in and press the button. Right, right, right. But that um, was really cool to see. Uh, and then they had, yeah, just these very specialty shows. In the rooms, so it was sort of a one-night-only thing. Of performers cool. aren't really there. Then I think in some rooms, and I didn't who are who are the performers for these? A lot of people. Um, they're not related to the nominees or the awards. Not no. So Simon Cornell and Jordan Gold. That was one of the shows I saw. They did the Peller together. Mm-hmm. They did a really weird sort of subverted show in the Peller. That was a lot of fun to see. Mm. There, the, the start of the show was they came out with all these classic magic props. There's a magic square and a stratosphere and a dean's box and a cardiograph and all this classic stuff and they came out and they just kind of made fun of all of it and subverted all of it and uh-huh. the, the, the premise of the show was this is the only night of the year where you don't have to care about the performance because anytime you're performing at a place and you know that there's potential to be nominated for an award you're gonna perform this show kind of hoping that you get nominated in the back of your mind but tonight given this is the award show and we're not eligible there's no risk of that so let's just you know and so like they came out in both nice suits and they basically both went casual simon tore off his shirt and his jacket was just wearing a t-shirt uh-huh. um and they you know turned around the magic square and stuff and they just kind of weird stuff like at one point they made a card disappear i think uh. and they talked about the card to impossible location and they said of course it's kind of tired old premise and simon has this big cardboard box and inside the smaller cardboard box inside the smaller cardboard box is talking about this he goes but sometimes something is a a location is so impossible that it really just it really kind of goes around the problems with this effect and he goes on this tiny little box and he opens it up inside a beer can a sealed beer can and he goes sometimes there's a you know it goes to a place so impossible that you just uh that it just really is an incredible thing to see. Mm-hmm. And he opens the beer can, starts drinking it. He goes, "So where should it go?" <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. It was really funny. Um, then, then I saw the close-up show, which was Aaron Fisher. Really cool, very, really clean sleight of hand magic that was just very, very, very solid. Really good, very interesting to watch, and just yeah, sleight of hand done cool. incredibly well. I didn't see the parlor show, which I heard was good. Didn't see the palace show, which I heard was great. It was Gaetan Bloom, this French performer, who I've seen yes. a couple times. He's wonderful. So uh, 
he did like his own thirty minute show. I believe that get, that there uh, there's like an osmosis version of the card warp thing that I was learning. That's sure. one of his. He's a very creative guy. I've seen him perform a couple of times. Once at Magic Live and once at Fizz. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I regret not getting able to not being able to see him, but I've also seen him before. Uh, How crowded is the castle on a night like this compared to normal? Uh, it was hard to say because it was a weird night. Uh-huh. It was crowded, but then you know at nine fifty seven. We walked up to the Peller for a 10 o'clock show. And he goes, yeah, I got a couple seats. Do you want yeah. to see the 10 o'clock? There wasn't like a line. And then granted, when we left that show for the 11 o'clock, there was a big line. Hmm. We walked, We kind of lucked into seeing the close-up, the last cl- midnight close-up show five minutes before it was supposed to start, going, there's no way, but let's give it a shot. And we uh-huh. walked over, and she said, yeah, I got plenty of room. So I, so all the rhythms are probably The rhythm was very different. Yes, night. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there were a couple hundred people at this award ceremony. It was, it was sold out. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of, you know, 25, 30 tables. So any stuff. thoughts on the winners? Yeah, so let's or go over the winners. Yeah. There were, I'd say 80% of the awards I give away are, like, awards they choose, you know, awards of merit and fellowships and stuff. Uh-huh. So there's really only... Is f- there voting? Not for those, but for like there's vo- there's the, voting for all the showroom awards. Okay. There's voting for parlor stage. So you got a ballot at some point and and a lecture. Yes, I got a ballot. I got to do a nominating process and then I got to vote on the top five. Cool. Uh, and then I, I I'm not I'm pretty comfortable. I mean, given that I like a lot of the people nominated, I was pretty and I, and I don't think there's anyone nominated that I thought was undeserving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that as I had said when these nominations came out, I thought there were lots of people deserving. Yeah. Or dare I say, more deserving, in my humble opinion, that did not get nominated. I'm comfortable talking, but so I, I don't mind talking about who I voted. Now, I just, will say, just to clarify, you were eligible for close up. Yes. And you fucking got screwed. I got fucking screwed, man. Did you? Can you nominate yourself? <laughs> uh, well, I never. Yeah, you can, and I do. I, I don't know. <laughs> you should. You Everybody does. Yeah, you absolutely should. Which like everyone nominates themselves, which means no one nominates themselves, right? But it um, means game theory wise, if you don't, you're fucking yourself, right? Over. So uh, I will go through the um, awards. Uh, do I'll just do the showroom awards. And yeah, we, yeah. I can talk about. And I'm not going to read you every creative fellowship, but there were some funny things that happened. So the uh, and let me see if I can remember everyone that was nominated. So well, parlor Magi- parlor magician of the year. I believe the nominees were Justin Willman, Mike Bashada, Arthur Trace, R. Paul Wilson. No, not R. Paul Wilson. I um, say I can't even remember these now. Uh, mm. Arthur Trace, Justin Willman, uh, Mike Bashada. Well, if you can't remember, then they probably didn't win, is my guess. Uh, well, no, Mike Machado won. I was going to guess Mike Machado would win. Mike Machado won Parlor. I'm going to pull up the nominees as as well. Um, this is did he win last year too? I do not remember. I believe he has won before. I don't know if it was and he's last probably year. won close up twice or something. Uh I think so. Yeah. This is the kind of. Uh, were you telling me that Shoot has won all the rooms? Shoot is maxed out of all the room awards. He's he's won stage, close-up, and parlor twice, which is all you can win. He has never won lecturer, so those are the only two left for him to win. Would, and there's no Peller award? Not currently, no. Okay. Because um, I was looking at, like, I think Ace Palmer has won parlor even twice yeah like in close-up twice the and only person that i'm aware of that's maxed out on all eight awards including two lecturers john carney oh john carney i know has all eight I, I i feel like he's the only one that does or at least the only one that i'm aware of i'm sure that that may not be completely correct right um so yes yeah, so mike pashada i will say that none of the uh um not, i don't think any of the people i voted for won Oh, uh, do you like knowing that you nominated or voted for? I, I nominated people that I that, think that got nominated. That got nominated, okay. but I don't think I voted for anybody that won. Okay, not that I disagree necessarily with the uh, choices that were made. I'm like, oh, 
can't believe Mike Pachado won. Mike Pachado's great, yeah. deserving of the praise he's getting. Um, Probably in this context, it's difficult for somebody like Pipo Villanueva to get even nominated for sure. Parlor, right? Because right. like, to I'm sure who to, I did nominate, and yeah. I thought was inc- had an incredible. I mean, you saw it yeah. many times; it's incredible. I'm sure to some degree, there's nominations going on of shows that. There's no way everybody's seen all the shows. Right. It's, uh, we've talked about this before. I mean, really, yeah. think about the close-up gallery. You could not have every voting member see a partic- one performer. You just If, if I were doing the close-up oh, right, gallery, right. There's not it is seats. physically impossible for every voting member <laughs> to see my show. That's fascinating. You would have to have more than 100% of the seats available to voting members only. Right. So there's literally no way for whoever wins close-up to have been... Like seen, seen by everybody that voted for them. Right. How many is the seat? 18, uh, 28, 18 seats and 10 standing room. I think. Right. By 21 shows or whatever. Right. Um, so it's probably like 500 people tops. And that's assuming no civilians. That's assuming that a single civilian yeah. watches your show, which is, you know, 60% of your audience yeah. on average. Um, and my, my Pashota win. My Pashota wins that. That's, uh, I, I, um, I don't know why I keep seeing Pashota. Somebody said Pashota at the Magic Hour. Either or, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, Stage Magician of the Year. This one, I do remember all the nominees. Nominees were... uh, This is Parlor? This is Stage. Parlor was Mike Pashota. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Palace? Palace, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been Carissa Hendricks as her character, Lucy Darling. Lucy Darling, okay. Lindsay Benner, Jeff Hobson, Uh um, and then it was Steve Valentine and Santa Candy... Oh, oh, and then uh, Arthur Trace again. Arthur was nominated twice. The reason there was because Piff... The Magic Dragon was nominated, but that actually ended up having to be changed because Piff only, I think, did four of seven days or something or, or five uh-huh. of seven days. And one of the rules is you have to do a complete week. Uh-huh. And it was unfortunate. It was just an unfortunate clerical error that allowed him to be nominated in the first place because uh-huh. technically he was ineligible. Okay. So when they found that out, they had to remove him as one of the five. He was published as one of the five nominees, and then he had to be removed. And then Arthur Trace was put in, who they said came in sixth in the nominating process. Uh-huh. Um, in that case, Steve Valentine won. Ooh. Steve Valentine uh, won. I've, uh, I'll say I voted for Jeff Hobson personally. Uh-huh. I think he's uh, just an incredible, incredible comedy performer. Right. And, and you I also think, think Steve Valentine's too successful in two different industries. Right. He's got enough. Like, he doesn't need any more. Right. He can't be, yeah. Uh, you get to go be a successful actor. You Stay in your lane. He has a good IMDb. He, oh, he's, and he's, he's got a, talented a guy. significant magic career. So he had this sort of one-man show he did in the palace. So he had all three slots of the palace, which is, I think, one of the reasons why he won. Uh-huh. Not only because he is a liked and very popular figure, which is a major element of what goes into this voting. Yeah. You know, this is... Everyone kind of talks about it. For better or worse, it is a popularity contest. Some people think it's fine that way. Some people want to see it changed. I don't really care that much. I don't have a strong opinion. Yeah. But when you have a system like that where it's you know, it's not the Oscars, it's not like people you're getting mailed their performances. Right. It's becoming impractical, impossible to judge fairly across these five people. So you're voting. You're voting for people. It's sort not, of like on this is sort of on your pre-existing rankings of right. what you think of them. It, it, the way I've kind of said it is, and well, again, for better or worse, I think people are winning off of kind of when it's their turn. Uh, yeah. You wait your turn. So you you know. kind of have a lot of lifetime achievement awards right, happening. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I also wonder if, uh, right. Like a newcomer nominee, like, do they have a, like a, no, but like I'm saying, like someone newer to the scene, newer to being nominated, like Carissa Hendricks. Yeah. I think as great she's as she is, get nominated like six times, she's gonna get nominated a couple of times right. while, while huge, huge, huge 
like um, brand names almost like Steve Valentine, who earned it. I'm not saying he didn't. Are are gonna clean up their awards first? Well, right? and also you basically have to just max out those people. So like, right? I don't know if he's won once or twice, but he's just got to win twice, and then there's exactly. another slot opens up. So, uh, this is I, I'm going to tell. I don't, I don't know. He liked me telling this story, but I thought it was hilarious. Um, just what a baller shoot is uh-huh. that because uh, he's maxed out, and I said when um, I know he. I remember him winning a couple years ago. Stage the last two were stage magician of the year. He got the other six first. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, uh, other sorry, other four. And first. you can win by being one of three stage people. Yes, like, in a show. Okay. Yes. So he, he, I remember him winning once a few years back. He got nominated again. I think that was not his first nomination for stage. I think he lost before. Then he won, and then he was nominated again and lost. And I think there was maybe two a year in between the two times he won. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to remember. I said, shoot, when was the last time you won? Was that two years ago, or are you the current stage magician of the year? It was like a week ago. He goes, um, I think it was a year ago. I don't know. It could be current. And it was just funny that like he's... He's won so much. That he, he's, he's just so successful. Yeah. That like he doesn't. Oh, it's also he's not like so wrapped up in wrapped it. up and like well these are the awards I've won. Yeah. And um, he goes it could be this year, and I went yeah I, th- I think it's this year. Oh, like he won in in twenty he won at last year's ceremony. Uh huh. I went I think that is the case. Um, I like if you think about it, it's amazing that like. I would say by most accounts, like Miguel Munoz should have been nominated for right. like stage performer. Right, right, like right. like a guy who wins FISM right. comes to your stage and does his same act. Then it's kind of like, he's probably one of the five best of the year. Sister, don't get me started. Um, well, uh, you know. The, and I, I nominated Miguel Munoz for that. Yeah. For the, um, I, I would guess that the majority of members didn't see him. Right. My, so my, here's what I'll say. Call me, call me out on this being good or bad. I will vote for people that I know put out. If like if I I, like, I didn't see R. Paul Wilson's lecture mm-hmm. um, of all the lectures I saw, I nominated R. Paul Wilson because I think R. Paul Wilson is a great teacher of magic, a great creator of magic, mm-hmm. and a great sort of curator of magic. Uh-huh. And I think he deserves recognition for his. I'll nominate him. Uh, yeah, I know you will. <laughs> for what though, Chris? I'm, yeah. <laughs> um, I now granted I did see his close up show and I nominated for for that because I think his that close ups is great. His close up show is incredible. So I, especially when I'm, I, I don't even think I actually voted on lecture. Uh, did I? No, I think I've voted for. Uh, I only saw one of the, the the people who was nominated for best lecturer, and I was actually not a huge fan of their lecture. Robert Ramirez. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like no. Too uh, Mexican. <laughs> now you're good friends with him so it's still offensive right uh, i would say the what the i the uh lecturer the only lecture i saw was richard turner's which for me personally i did not i was not a huge fan of uh-huh. i thought it was um i wanted to learn more uh right, right, it, right. it was a lot of like stories it was a lot of stories and it was a lot of you know he has this unique sort of uh, he, he it was about two and a half hours and he only really taught things for about 20 or so minutes and uh-huh. it was a lot of um i don't know it just it wasn't exactly what i wanted it to be and and quite frankly i came away with a vibe that he 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 liked having a captive audience talk about some of the cool things he's done uh-huh. rather than teach some of the cool things he's done yeah so for instance he talked about the whole you know you cut you shuffle the cards and then you hand them back to me and i can immediately deal the aces and he said, well, I, sh- I shuffle them. You shuffle them. And then he can, he, you deal can hand them right back to me and he can like 
deal a royal flush from the deck. It's kind of a signature thing. And people are like, well, they must be marked or, or they're embossed or something. And he sort of, he kind of started talking about wrong like methods people suggest and why that's kind of wrong. Well, he never really talked about how, the right way of doing it because I think he, quite frankly, to me, it came off as he liked that no one else knows how to do this. And Wait, this is a cool what if thing. the whole thing's a scam? I'm not gonna. I I don't believe this, but I've heard multiple people say they do not think he is blind in the slightest. <laughs> but then, but it then, would just so, be a good like prestige style right. twist. That being said, people, his response to that is: even if I could see, if you shuffle the cards, that, what difference does that make? Well, then they would be marked. Um, I you know what I think it is? I think that it, he's twins, and um, each of them is blind in one eye. <laughs> Um, so that's, right. the, that's, 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 definitely that's the prestige too. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to spend time talking about why I didn't appreciate this lecture. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, um, but like, uh, it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. Out right, of. right, right, right. Um, so, so the lecture of the year went to Rob's Barecki, by the way. Hey, cool. Um, which I did not see. I'm sure it's well deserved. I'm interested in getting his, uh, essay that he just released. Oh, the from, ABCs, the yeah. magic. Yeah, I'd also like to read that. Yeah. You know, I'm curious. I would love to see a Zabrecki lecture because my feeling is, he probably doesn't have a ton to say about the nuts and bolts of effects and methods um, because I've, oh, seen, sure, yeah. I've seen him maybe three times and I don't think that methods are the reason why he's so impressive to right. people and other magicians um, because like almost everything in his show, you could like literally put together like a shopping cart of vanishing ink right. and have it all the next day. But his development of the character seems so different and kind of, I mean, definitely from a different world. Cause he's coming from like being a rock musician or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's something about that that feels so different than other magicians that I can see why, like, I wonder how much of the lecture is about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, it's good that he won. I'm also, cause I was, a, I, w- I would have been a little skeptical feeling like, do magicians just sort of go to lectures wanting to like, you know, hear about a trick and then buy something. But also I'm coming from a hobbyist perspective. Right. And I think that's what hobbyists, from my exposure to the people that have gone to the lectures that I've gone to all two of them. Mm -hmm. um, And even my own impulses inside, I'm kind of like, I want to buy something here. Like I want to like, and this is what I was thinking when you're talking about Richard Turner, I wonder how many of his things are just like the method is, you practice for 30 years and right. like, and that's not something I can totally like teach you in this lecture. Right. So he ended up getting into some interesting things. He basically asked about slights that people wanted to hear his take on. So someone said second deal. And what he did was he had somebody come up on stage. who said they could do a second deal. And what he did is he had them do the second deal and he touched their hands. Oh, um, and felt like they're, uh-huh. Yeah, and he goes, oh, your wrist is too high, or you're doing this too much, huh. you know. And then what he, he realized, if I'm dealing, I'm going to be doing this. But a lot of people, who, uh, and what I'm just doing is I'm just keeping my wrist down, and I'm just dealing the cards, and there's a l- minimal movement from my left hand. Right. But because when people second deal, they tend to cock their wrist back, and there's uh-huh. a lot of this. Uh, and now my wrist is basically moving up and down. How is your, let's see your best second deal. I can't do a second deal. Um, uh, it would be like that. That's good. Okay, well. I mean, I'm no Richard Turner. Right, neither look, am I, apparently. Looked good to me. But, so, so that's kind of interesting to watch him sort of explain someone's, yeah. the way their you know, their hands are. And he goes, you need to be dealing Like, it needs level. to look exactly the it same. Needs to look, yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, so that was a, a fair point. Uh, who's, what's the next, the close So up? the lecture, yeah, uh, parlor was Mike Pashada, stage was Steve Valentine. Close up was, the this, I have the nominees up here. Armando Lucero, Babel. 
Brian Gillis, Garrett Thomas, and Hannibal. These are people I saw all. I did see all five of uh-huh. these. Um, oh, is this like a supporting actor category where it's just like stacked every year of like killer acts? Yeah, I think because so. like Os- Oscars for best supporting actor is always just like right. There's eleven people that could have been nominated. Yes, absolutely. Um, because some of these guys seem like monsters for right. close up, right? And, that, and by some the way, that's are... a good tour that we should put together: monsters of close up. Yeah, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, who would be? I do. We we should have a fantasy draft of what our favorite, what of our monster shows would be. Monsters of every room. Uh, yeah. Um, oh hell yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, well I, that's the direction we're going in today, folks. Um, but, uh, wh- who'd you vote for? I voted personally for Armando Lucero. Yeah, I think Armando Lucero is is. Well, I've seen paper cuts, and I love it. I, I think Armando Lucero is, is one of the most underrated people in close-up magic. Really? And I say that knowing that he is well-respected. Right. But I think uh, I think he is up there. You know, I think he's... Are you saying that he's even better than that? Or... Yes, I'm saying that oh, okay. I, I, I think, to, for, for me, he is one of the absolute top people. Um, I think, you know, with some of the idols that I... I, I think there are people that get a little bit more... Um, press as geniuses. Yes, and I would put I would hold him in that regard. Uh, along that line, uh, I'm just going to refer back to that Derek Delgado interview. Mm-hmm. He on like, magically what's it called magical thinking, magical thinking, where he just name checked Darwin Ortiz as being somebody that he likes his books and hates his performances. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know Darwin Ortiz at all. Okay. Um, he just Derek Delgado was just like, yeah, I just read his books and then I went to see him live and I was just like, what am I watching? You're right. not even doing anything you write about in your books, <laughs> right? Um, so I will not comment on that. Yeah. So well, Armando, Armando Lucero is con- my exposure to it is that he's considered like one of the best close-up people, right? Authorities, and I'm considering for my birthday, which is next week, hey, uh, giving happy birthday, giving myself a. Uh, Skype lesson with him. You sh- absolutely should. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah, he's brilliant. I think he's just truly. I. I, I think. I. I, I just. I. Th- I think he'll really, eventually, go down as somebody who's materials and work is a staple in everyone's shelves. Yeah. And right now, I think he is deserving of that. I don't think he's totally viewed that way, and I think that's a great disservice to him. Is I, he part of like the L.A. Like, is he in LA? Like, I don't really know. I think he's to be in honest, Vegas. I, I don't know him that well. I, um, w- part of the thing is when I was 19 and I was booked my first like official week in the close-up gallery, I was early close-up and he was late. Oh. So I got to see his, you know, I got to know him a little bit. I got to see him and he loves music and my, you know, so he felt, he met my, he liked my parents a lot and they, uh-huh. t- they talked more than I ever talked with them. But now anytime I see him, he recognizes me. We chat. Um, oh, cool. But I, I, for instance. Uh, I, he, I think he's in Vegas because I remember when okay. I was looking at the Skype lessons that you have to be you have to sync with his vegas sure time zone so i i remember i i think one of the things i love so much about him is he really really uh, i hope i can articulate this well he elevates material in an incredible way while still staying very much within the parameters of the original material for instance i like i wanted to elevate the matrix mm-hmm that's not necessarily where it started, but I came up with these cool methods that made a matrix cool. I like to think I did elevate my matrix, the one I did in the close-up gallery yeah. with the see-through cards and some black art principles, and it became very visual. And it was, I was really proud of it. I like what it is, and I want to keep developing on it. But it went in, not that this is a bad thing, it went in a gimmicky direction. Classic trick, oh, with fucking, now you can see through it. Right. And I would even say that the more I scrutinize it, and I scrutinize it a lot, there are some logical inconsistencies with the way I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing it. Even mm-hmm. though I'm happy with it and proud of it, I can always be moving it better, yeah, right? Yeah, in the middle of it, you left the farmer and the goose on one side of the river. Yeah. And then the fox was on the other side, and that didn't make sense. Right, right, That's exactly. That's how you update it. That was, I thought it was a weird way to update that trick. But yeah. The, gr- the bag of grain did get eaten by the end. Yeah, I know. Uh, I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you, you just ate a bag of grain while doing um, the Matrix. So he is someone that I think, for my money, probably is the best Matrix in the world. Oh. But it is still very, very true to just four cards and four coins, and then eventually two cards and four coins. Like, mm-hmm. it is not... I, I My, quote, elevation, not that I'm trying to compare myself to Armando Lucero, but my way of going, how can I make this cool or a little more interesting, was to go in a very gimmicky direction. And his brilliance allowed him to create an incredible product while still staying very true mm-hmm. you know it's like when you eat a cheeseburger at a mcdonald's and then you eat a cheeseburger at your favorite favorite cheeseburger place it's the same thing it's just exactly <laughs> it's just way 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 better at one place even though it's the same product it's still lettuce tomatoes pickles instead of going to some weird like deconstructed right. different thing so or if charcoal you, bun and if some you shit. if you look at his matrix mm-hmm. are all the individual moves like oh i know what that move is no some of them fool the shit out of me oh, that's okay, why cool. but the look of it is the same ah. it's it's still it's it's but it's it's really improved while still being what it is he does the same thing with the sandwich effect that uh last time i saw him um or a couple years ago what's standing out as he closed his show with it i can't remember if he closes the show with it still the idea is he doesn't enti- he has two jokers catch go through the deck and basically narrow it down to one card and caught in between them and he and you're thinking of a card he has that card out on the table between those two jokers well before you've ever said it out loud mm-hmm. he and and the way he completes that then you the last thing that happens before he reveals that card as you say the card you're just thinking of you never wrote it down you never did anything hmm. at the at its core it is still the beauty of a sandwich effect two cards catch one thing it is he doesn't go into this crazy place where you know it does this and then it does this. It's right. it is so true to the uh, origins of a sandwich routine. Yeah, but it is just taken to new levels while still while not going over the top with the right. presentation of it. It's um, just I, I don't know if I'm articulating this well. I hope this is making sense. What I'm have saying. Have you seen Paper Cuts? I have not watched Paper Cuts. Um, no. because he, I didn't realize it was so expensive. Uh, yes, it's like two hundred sixty dollars or something. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure not. I'm sure that's a, uh, a worthy. I'm sure there's great material. Oh, I mean, so my question is on paper cuts when he presents the tricks, uh, he doesn't really. It's not like a live performance. He's just doing the trick, and he's got a voiceover, and the voiceovers are very kind of melancholic and poetic about like they're they're interesting, like the way he talks about them as they're happening. Right. It's like along the lines of like you think you've seen something, but you actually haven't. And then, like, they have a little bit of, like, uh, narrative quality to right. them. And is that how his close-up show is, too? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Uh, it's very musical. And, I mean, he talked to me about this re- uh, a lot anytime we chatted, was that he had just either finished a run. I don't know exactly how many times he had done this, but he'd had the opportunity to perform magic with a live pianist oh. who could watch him at all times and was playing live to him. And he said it just, he goes, there's nothing they like it in the world. should add that to the castle. He said, there's, he said there's just absolutely nothing like it. It doesn't compare at all. Having this really organic experience where they mm. can watch me and listen to me and match what I'm doing and I don't have to feel beholden to a soundtrack. He just, man, he was over the moon. Ooh, with, that's very cool. Um, and and in his performance, there was music, and it's beautiful, and it's interesting, but I, I can only imagine him with an, a talented pianist that can really match his tone and energy must well, be absolutely incredible. I will only say that you know two musicians very well that could do this. Don't know who... <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's why he was so excited to meet my parents. Is yeah. that just talk, he just talked to my dad about music I'm and sure Sammy Davis all to. the time, and... Uh, 
you would probably like not appreciate that. But I don't appreciate that this keeps happening. My parents keep climbing the magic ladder quicker than I do. Yeah. <laughs> like how they got to perform the Your palace parents? last in October with Robert, and then I'm just fucking. Oh, did they? Yeah, they they played. Um, he he had a bit where he did something to live music every night. That's funny. and every single night he had a different person doing it. Uh, playing live music for him and two of those seven nights were my parents <laughs> and so Jim Steinmeier made a joke he goes John are you, did your parents perform in the pals before you did and I was like shut up Jim uh, here question for you can you take one of these cards and this is from Paper Cuts okay he does the thing where he just goes like this oh yeah and he lifts up his hand yeah I can't. I kind of can't, I I've, can't. Seen him, I've seen him do it by the way there's no there's no trick to it it's just like right. it's just like the moisture in your hand has right. to be so good enough like, to like Two card, and I would. Oh, look at that! I would be. I would be here. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah I kind of can do it. It's beautiful the way he does it, though. Yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm gonna do it, and it'll just drop like. Right. Oh, he has a, a great thing in his act where he lifts up his hand, shows there's nothing on the table, immediately puts his back hand back down, and and, and produces yeah. a card, and it's and he incredible. He also gets rid of it like the way he like wiggles his fingers. Right, it really looks like it's appearing. Yeah. Anyway. Not that I, all that to say. Anyway, not, he's not, a fucking loser. Right. <laughs> um, so the uh, the winner was Brian Gillis. Okay. Brian Gillis passed away last year, so oh. it was a posthumous win. Mm-hmm. I I, do, I was not totally surprised by that. I think a lot of people liked him, and a lot of people respected him a lot. And so to kind of give him that was not shocking to me. I think all five of these people were deserving mm-hmm. nominees. That was no knock on. My love of Armando Lucero was no. I love Babel and Garrett Thomas and, and Hannibal. I think they're all great. Uh, I just have a true, I just have a true, true admiration, worship for Armando Lucero. I wonder if Paul Wilson did uh, only Parlor in 2018. No, he didn't. I saw him do the close-up gallery oh, last close-up. year. Oh. Um, I was surprised. I definitely nominated for that. I think he was certainly one of my five favorites from last year. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Brian Gillis. I do actually have one very funny Brian Gillis story. Uh, but so Brian Gillis won. That actually ended up being. Maybe the highlight of the award show. I will say, quite frankly, um, I, I, I found that a lot of the humor people attempted in their in their um, presentations, like a lot of presenters, uh-huh. was not landing with the audience. Uh, right. It, it, sort it of just, like an award show of any kind. Right. It just it, A lot of the stuff didn't hit. A couple people killed. Jason Sudeikis presented an award, and he, and he was really funny uh-huh. because – He's just a world class comedian. Yeah, uh, and but also you're probably giving him some like you're probably giving him those that courtesy like five you know yeah what is that I mean, uh, not that he didn't deserve it but Chris Rock says yeah you get five minutes you get like, like five minutes of just oh my god it's this guy right he's great before you know uh, now when you say they weren't landing with the audience right does that mean you you too yeah in most cases there were things where you were like that's funny it deserved more than what this audience right I I I. I I found that a lot of stuff was not totally a lot of stuff you felt deserved less (laughs) Um, than even what I won't get into that. But (laughs) one of the the, by far the funniest and and, and it stood out more in contrast to what happened when Brian Gillis won, which fucking killed. What happened was Brian Gillis won and they called on the amazing Jonathan to accept his work for him, (laughs) Uh who's I guess a close friend of his. Amazing Jonathan is an interesting person to me because I have a tremendous respect for him. Mm-hmm. He has never been totally my style seeing his like specials and stuff. Have you ever seen yeah. Amazing Jonathan? I loved Amazing Jonathan okay. growing up. Like him and Harry Anderson, I loved watching. So I watching some of his Comedy Central specials, I would say from the early 2000s, when he, I think he did like a Comedy Central Presents. Yeah. Back in the day, that was the first, I was maybe in seventh or something grade. I liked him and I respected him and I was never a huge, huge, huge fan. Yeah. It just stylistically wasn't completely, you know, my cup of tea recognizing what a giant he is in the industry uh, and deservedly. So 
He, but the, the couple of times I've seen him live have been some of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. He was at Magic Live a couple years ago when he was really looking bad. And he's, quite frankly, he, he's looking pretty bad these days. I saw him on TV on Masters of Illusion mm-hmm. or something, and he looked, oh, oh by the way, I, I thought he was supposed to be dead by now. He was. Like, he went on Marin, I believe, and was like, I'm going to be dead within, like, six months. And that right. was, like, four years ago. Right. I mean, there, like, four years ago, there's kind of a thing that's like, all right, this is kind of the last year with this, you know, it's hard right. what it is and all the, the, the drug problems he's had. So, really, this is all um, bonus time. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, he was at Magic Live a couple years ago, and he did a bit about the stem cell research that is basically keeping him alive. Uh-huh. And he had this joke where uh, he would... Um, He's like, so yeah, I'm on the stem cell, you know, stuff, and it's it's helping a lot. And he pulled out. He's like, so I give me a second, I have to take my medicine. And he pulls out a a doll of a baby with a straw sticking to his back, and he sucks on the straw <laughs> and he puts it away. And then a few minutes later, the Grim Reaper come creeping out on stage. And he goes, no, no, no. And he picks up the baby and he sucks out of it again. And then the Grim Reaper snaps his fingers and walked off stage, stuff like that. And it was That's hilarious. Great. It was so dark, and I absolutely love, love, love. Yeah. dark fucked up humor about death so anyway so he comes out and accepts the uh to accept the war for brian gillis and the first thing he does is he comes out and he takes it uh and he goes and he looks off off stage he goes come on come out here uh, he's shy and uh, uh-huh. and that's like what started it, and that killed and it was so funny uh-huh. and the whole speech was about he gave a little speech and he's like yeah he i don't know why he won't come out here but he's back there he's like come on take get, come get the award. i don't know what he's doing back there so that was really funny uh, and it, then he immediately went into the speech about, he goes, I talked to Brian a lot. He's up in heaven. Uh, and it was, then it just became a series of inside jokes about Brian Gillis and uh-huh. thing, you know, things that heaven has. He goes, heaven has a magic castle. You know, uh, he's in the close-up gallery every night. Houdini's in the palace. Um, everybody walks around with a weak watch clasp so we can get those off really fast. Uh-huh. The only drink they serve is Chardonnay with ice cubes. You know, on TV in heaven, the only uh, his big one of his big claim to fame was being Johnny Carson's favorite magician. He goes, the mm-hmm. only thing they play on TV is uh, is Carson reruns. Um, <laughs> What's Chardonnay with ice cubes? I guess that's what he drank. Oh, okay. he always had a big glass of Chardonnay with, with 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 like two ice cubes in it. And then there was a bit where he goes, you know. Um, he says the performers at the castle in heaven are great. He said, I'll be there next month. I don't know what that meant. But stuff like that. He, he said he, uh, he goes, there's scantily clad Asian women everywhere. Um, <laughs> and then there was one bit about, uh, he uh, he said, yeah, you know, he, he had two dogs and he'd lost one of them before he had died. He said, that dog's up there in heaven. He asked me to go find the other one, hit it with my car and stuff. <laughs> and he just killed. And it was really, really, really good. It was definitely the funniest part. Of the, it's certainly the highlight of the evening for me. It was, That's it was awesome. a great, great speech. Um, I do have one funny Brian Gillis story. Oh, yeah. If you want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, this is actually a, also a posthumous story. I had met him once. I, I, I'd seen him perform. He was a great performer. Uh, I'd met him once. And so great. you did see his show last year? No. this was I okay. saw his show a couple years ago. I did but not it's see probably it the same show. Uh, I, prob- I, I don't really know. Probably. But yeah. I was st- certainly familiar with his performance. At any rate, I had met him once maybe two or three years ago. At the bar, we recognized each other. He recognized my face, and he said, "I don't think I've ever met." And we, t- I'm a pretty quiet. I want you to introduce. You have a weird myself. definition of recognizing your face. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> like he was like, he said he recognized my face, and then said, "I don't think we've ever met." Well, like we see each other at the same no, place no. all the time. It's it, just, it, there's <laughs> continuity. It makes sense. Don't 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 no math check that. Uh, don't, don't fact check that joke. But uh, so we chatted for a minute. It was very nice, and, and we had a nice conversation. And, and what I did not realize is that he and my father came from the same very small town in New York. Oh. So what's my, the name of this town? Uh, Niagara Falls. 
<laughs> okay. It, it is. But it is a small town. It yeah. is a small town. I was thinking of the Canadian side. The Canadian side is a metropolis of tourism. Right, right, the, right. The New York side is a tiny little shithole of a town. Right. I love it. I love going back there. It's one of my favorite places in the world, but it is a shithole. Because um, it's right on the American. A lot of people don't know there's an American falls and it's sort of more it's better to see it from the canada side it is yeah i mean the falls are beautiful no matter what there's incredible to see them and i've I've had the pleasure to get to see them dozens of times in my life oh Um, that's cool yeah and and where my my fan my dad is from on quiet nights you can hear the falls it's about a couple miles away it's about a five minute drive uh so it's a great but it used to be this big industrial town in the 60s and 70s and all those factories shot down and the economy just kind of tanked and it's sort of been a mess ever since full of potholes and just main street is just looks like an atomic bomb went off and all these old businesses that have been condemned that um, haven't really been replaced. Anyway, uh, I still love it, and it's you know it kind of still feels like it, home. It's, it's had the effect of like a Rust Belt city, though. Yeah, yeah it yeah, has. Yeah. It definitely has. I don't uh, know if you've ever gone through like parts of Detroit, Western so. Pennsylvania, and Ohio, and Detroit. Like never was. I've been in Pennsylvania. I have family in like Pens- Erie, Pennsylvania. That kind of yeah. I haven't been to those. Those parts. are rough. Um, so Niagara Falls is a little bit like that, I think. Maybe not. Not Pittsburgh, the- where Justin Zell and Steel right. City Improv is. Um, That's hustling and bustling. It really is. There's a new Magic Theater that opened there that oh, really? Robert will be performing at. Ooh. That apparently is pretty good. I want to check it out. At any rate, so uh, we we so I didn't. I later learned that Brian Gillis, my father, came from the same town. So last July, a couple weeks after Brian Gillis had passed away, we are in Niagara Falls for my grandfather's funeral. Uh, my um. And so we, you know, uh, my grandfather was 89, was pretty, uh, he had a pretty heavy case of dementia. He actually had to be moved up to Pennsylvania with some family. We had some family there where he lived in a uh, uh, um, a, a facility for people with uh, memory issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very nice. And, you know, he was, he had gotten sick a lot of times. He was on borrowed time for a while, kind of forgotten most of his family. It was, it was, it was. Not very sudden or anything. So we were kind of keeping it together. But it was mm-hmm. an emotional week. And, you know, the, 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 while I was okay, the last thing I wanted to do was be a magician. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I didn't want to be... <laughs> so you mean like, in this context of visiting a dying relative, you didn't want to do, like, magic tricks? Right. Yeah. Flying, flying out for a funeral, I didn't want to be the magician. Yeah. Uh, I, I just... Please let me You're fucking just put this away. I want to be a grandson. So that... The, so for instance... If we had to stand next to a open casket for two hours during like receiving people, and I never ever said the word magician. If someone said, "What you know?" Oh, I'm so sorry about this. And they're you know all in their seventies and they knew him from you know back when he was a dentist. What do you do? Oh, I just you know I finished school at UCLA. I'd leave it there. Yeah. And then my mom. Sometimes you were like, "I'm an illusionist." Sometimes my mom would say he was a magician. I'm a magician. Uh Oh, and then I would talk to them a little bit. Every. I'd say one out of three times my mom mentioned dropped out as a magician, they would hear, oh, a musician, just like your parents. And I would go, yep, and I would move on. Right, <laughs> I would let them have right. that. Uh, for instance, right before that, all the receiving started, before that wake, um, we got to visit and spend about 15 minutes with the casket, or about an hour with the casket before people showed up. And I, we met the priest there. We, we hadn't met the priest yet. Uh, and uh, he came in, and when he found out I was a magician, he asked me to do a magic trick. Uh-huh. Mind you... I'm standing five feet away from the open casket of my dead grandfather, uh-huh. and I and I quite I looked at him and I went, no, I I'm gonna wait until my grandfather's not in the same room as me. Uh-huh. Uh, this is I don't want to do magic right now. Right. Uh, he, I mean, he sees that every day. He doesn't see a magic trick every day. Right. <laughs> he's, he's got a. Casket. So that was kind of the energy I was really avoiding. At any rate, 
So we get through most of it, and it's the you know two days after the the wake is one day, the funeral's the next day, and the, the next day is our sort of last morning there. We're leaving in the afternoon. We have to go to the funeral home to pick up some like thank you cards, stuff, shit like that. You know, yeah. prayer cards that you send out to people who came and little, yeah. little things and the rosary he had in his hand before he was buried. Just crap like that. So then uh, the guy knows my dad is, uh, and um, my dad is is kind of a a bit of a local celebrity. For people of for his generation, being, given yeah, that he's a successful like, man. In fact, just the other day, without him knowing it, someone wrote an article about him in the Niagara Gazette, and we're reading it. It was, hey, funny. Hey. It was full of facts, like false information. Right. Like he played, My dad played with Sammy Davis Jr. for 10 years, right. the last 10 years of his career, and the article went, he played with Sammy Davis Jr. for 30 years. Uh-huh. And, then my, and then I went, I don't even think that's possible. He goes, it's not. I would have, I would have <laughs> had to start playing with him since I was, when I was four. So stuff like that. So, <laughs> so the, uh, the funeral, um, the, the coroner, I guess you'd call him, funeral home, guy uh we're in his office and he goes you know frank i actually i'm a bit of a a guitar player myself i'm a bit of a hobbyist he goes i was wondering if you would look at my guitar my dad says oh sure so he plays this uh my dad takes a guitar and he has some fucking whales on it but stairway to heaven it was awesome yeah but he plays this beautiful guitar thing uh and then the guy of course he kind of says that he also plays guitar a little bit too and so he played i think he played blackbird and it was very pretty and it was very it was a very nice morning and afternoon we're sitting your, there your father scoffed at how right. easy that piece is uh and so it was real, really nice and this guy was excited <laughs> to share music with my dad and it was, it was really cool then he turns to me and he goes what did you do uh-huh. and i go oh boy here we go and, and you're go, in the mode of like still not mentioning it yeah but he's a nice guy and so i think i, I can't remember exactly how it came up i think i at this point i, I was honest i said well i'm you know i'm a prof- professional magician and he went, really? And I went, yeah. He goes, have you heard of, and every magician who's listening to this has heard this question. And they know it's always followed by, you know, whoever's popular. Have you heard of, uh, oh God, what's his name? Um, he like put himself on a block of ice. You know that guy? And I go, David Blaine. And they go, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that guy's amazing. We've, every magician has had that conversation where they, have you heard of, um, and then it's just the most pop, Chris Angel or something. Yeah. David Copperfield. So I'm ready to talk about Chris Angel for four minutes or, or, or Copperfield for, you know, for a couple minutes and how you, you saw him in Vegas 10 years ago and he made a motorcycle vanish and appear in the back of the, I'm ready to have this conversation as I have hundreds of times before. And he goes, uh, have you heard of, and whatever I'm expecting, he goes, Brian Gillis. And I went, oh, my God. Yes, I have. He was a very prominent close-up guy in, in, in the West Coast, the Magic Castle. He just died a couple weeks ago, and it was a really big deal, and it was, everyone was very shocked by it. It was quite sudden. He goes, yeah, he lived in Buffalo. He came from Niagara Falls. I went, really? I had no idea. And, he, and so this is like the funeral home after a very emotionally exhausting couple of days. And he goes, uh he goes, yeah, yeah. In fact, they're going to be having a service for him for his friends who still live out here next week. And I went, really? And he gets more excited. He goes, yeah, I've got him in the back right now. <laughs> oh, Lord. And I went, oh. And uh, I, I, when I left, I laughed so hard about that. Because I got a little glimpse into, obviously, anybody in any profession will talk to people within that profession yes. differently than they talk to people who aren't in that profession. Right. And like I talk to magicians differently than I'll talk to non-magicians about magic, as anyone in any trade will. And of course, coroners will talk to other coroners in a way they will not talk to a regular regular people. And for a second, I feel like I got a glimpse of how he talked to other coroners. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Do you, <laughs> was there a window that you could have been like, "Mind if I go take a look?" Ah, uh, oh, that never you, occurred I bet to you me. Could have. Let me just say this: that the Niagara Falls is very close to Buffalo, right? About half hour. So about he's, half hour he's drive. probably going to have. He probably would have had some magic cohorts from Buffalo, like your Garrett Thomas's right show up. I'm just saying you Wouldn't missed know. an opportunity to put a card in there. 
<laughs> oh fuck for you know a production i was making a lot of dark jokes at the at the expense of uh, my grandfather at the funeral where people because people will make a dark the thing is i'll really commit to really dark fucked up humor yeah so people this happens with my mom a lot someone will dip their toe in the water and i go oh if the water's in play i'm in a cannonball in. Yes, a lot of things yes, like that yes. so people would be like oh my god john you should uh you should do a magic trick what if you uh you know, brought him back to life or some joke like that it's yeah, kind yeah. of dark and then I'll go alright now uh, uh, what was your card you said the, the five of diamonds and, and you signed it interesting now if we cut open the what, if we <laughs> yep. cut open the sewn shut mouth of my grandfather uh, where his tongue was prior to uh, being embalmed uh, you'll notice right in that cavity there's <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> yeah. yeah right where his liver used to be you'll <laughs> see um, a lemon <laughs> or like if you just made the body levitate without bring him back to life right <laughs> just like I, I can make him levitate i can't right. uh yeah that happens to me that that happened to me a lot like in the mid 2010s when i had a lot of horrible stuff happen to me where but what would happen to me is right, you did through, through a lot of adversity as oh I understand. a horrible horrible like series of things right which i only know people just kind of the only I, i've never wanted to ask about it just because oh. it's personal but uh people when i performed at your wedding last year People yeah. kept sort of alluding to certain things about yeah. you know, when when this person died or something, and I went, "Oh man!" Yeah, I did. Like, uh, if you've seen Barry, no, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's nothing like that. Uh, yeah, the quick rundown is that like my uncle died, who I wasn't that close to, and then my oldest sister Jesse died, wow. and then my partner of fourteen years, James, died. Is that who you posted about a few weeks ago? Yes. Okay, I was. Um, yeah, we just passed the five year anniversary of that, and then my brother died, and then my dad died. Like within like a four year period. So you kind of like. So nobody can go darker than me right. on this kind of stuff. And what happens is a lot of times is somebody will say like a dark thing, and especially around that time, I would suddenly I would say something real dark, and <laughs> like funny. people couldn't handle it. Right. Like it was, it, I made a lot of people genuinely like uncomfortable around that time. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, do, let me ask you this: since we talked uh, about her before, do you think that that is? Because the first person I think of when I hear about that is I also think of Tignotero, who famously went through right like her mom her died, died and, and she got she cancer got like the day later or something. Oh yeah, she she her mother. It was like three or four things right, within a right, week right. or within a couple months that just you know completely shattered her world. Yeah. Um, I want. Do you feel any connection to that? I do. Any connection I, as far as why you connect to her as a comedian so much? No, no, no. Because I loved her before. Like, sure. Oh, fair. Um. Oh, loved, my mom just watched um her uh special with the indigo girls uh-huh. um because my parents didn't really know about her and she, my dad listened to her on like a serious xm comedy station yeah from that special yeah and he, and he came home talking about how funny she was talking yeah. about her kids and joking and making fun of her kids I went, oh she's great and i played a couple clips from my parents and then i my it just turned into watching her entire netflix uh happy to be here special and yeah. now she's my, my, my mom like loves her i really like this one bit she has about the hotel cards that say you know don't bother you know, like, do not disturb. Mm-hmm. But in Spanish, they say no moleste. <laughs> right. And just about, like, is this supposed to stop, like, molesters in the hallway? Like, there's just molesters running up <laughs> and down the hall. And then they knock on your door, and they're like... And then they they, they open the door, and you're like, no, 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 I put the card out. No moleste. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you put out C moleste. <laughs> I've not heard that, but that's no, really no, funny. it's so good. Uh, no, no, I actually felt more co- a connection to Patton Oswalt because his partner died very suddenly. Right. Did um, your partner die suddenly? Oh yeah, my 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 partner. This will be fun for the podcast. My partner had a heart attack in front of me, 
and I did CPR on him until he died. Wow. Like with nine one one on the speakerphone, coaching me through doing CPR. Wow. Yeah, it was. You know what's funny? That has happened to people in my family. Oh, really? Yeah, my uh, my my uncle on my my father's a younger brother passed away. Um, I don't think he had a heart attack. He he uh, he had heart. Actually, it's kind of dark. Uh, we're getting really dark today. Uh, my both my father is a. Uh, of the middle of three children and both his older and younger brother both passed away of heart attacks oh. suddenly um, without warning uh, the day before or the day after Christmas Oof. Uh, in different years. And uh, I mean, that's the ultimate sandwich trick. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, it's not. They're different years. Uh, it's like if, if it was like at position 25 and 27 or two different decks of cards. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> um yeah. The, uh, <laughs> oh my god. Well, actually, I'd be interested to see what your dad's perspective is on this because I am. The I'll youngest. tell you this. Didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pro or con? No, because he's the. Uh, I'm the youngest of four. He's the middle child. You said. Yeah. So I wonder when people ask him how many. Because now, when people ask me like how many brothers and sisters do I have, it's weird when that number changes. Like in the middle of your life, you've been saying like, "Oh, I got. I'm one of four. Right. And then I'm really one of two now. Wow. And it just feels strange to like say that. Right. And I don't know if your dad feels the same way. Um, uh, we are at an hour. Oh, my God. Are we talking about magic at all? Yeah, we talked about some magic. Let me give you, though, I want to hear about five minutes on Avengers Endgame. No spoilers, but no spoilers. what did you think? Um, I thought it was incredible. Uh-huh. I absolutely loved it. I... Uh, Probably, would we see it again? I've already seen it again. I've already seen it twice. Wow. What I'm going to do for the third viewing, of which there will be a third viewing, is I'm probably going to see it in 3D or one of those XD things where the seats move. Now that I'm not usually a fan of those, Uh now that my uh, experience is not writing on, you know, my experience of the film is not writing on like how I see it, when I see it, who I see it with. Right. I'm now like, oh, I'd love to go see a 3D one. Right. Just to see what they do with it. I'm usually not a fan of 3D to the point where I I wasn't going to risk my enjoyment of the first time seeing getting to see this. Right. You know, you only get to see it for the first time once. In fact, I even kind of regret the way I did see it the first time. Um, and that is, I my, my friend who had you know was a week late catching up on Marvel movies. Uh, he wait, this is the one that like crammed a bunch of Marvel yeah. He, he watched about 15 in about three or so weeks. <laughs> oh and then on the last couple of days when he could have caught up, his wife who was watching them with them was out of town for a dance competition that she uh, coached. And so we kind of waited a few days. We ended up seeing on a Thursday night at 10 o'clock. Uh-huh. Actually, a week ago today when we recorded this. A week ago yesterday when we recorded this um, uh, uh, podcast. Um, so given that it was a Thursday night, there were only about 11 people in the theater. Oh. And there was a very low energy crowd. It was 10 o'clock at night, three-hour movie on a Thursday. You know, yeah. on a Thursday because we, we were looking at Friday tickets and everything at a reasonable hour you know, before midnight which would have been too late for all of them, not for me, but for, for them, they didn't want to do that, was completely sold out and you know, front row only, that kind of stuff. So if I still go on a Friday, like this weekend or next weekend, yes. it'll still be a good, healthy crowd. Yes. The fall, when I saw it, have you seen it yet? I've not seen it. Okay. Uh, when I saw it um, the second time, it was on a Sunday afternoon. And it was completely packed. Ooh, cool. That being said, it was because it was Sunday afternoon. It was a lot of kids. So it was a different sort of energy. Right. But, uh, you know, in those kinds of experiences, I... Yeah, I, I don't really see midnight premieres anymore because especially when I saw the first Avengers in 2012 at midnight, it took me three viewings of that movie before I caught one line because in that movie from seven years ago when Hulk smashes Loki a bunch of times, he says something really funny afterwards and people in the packed theaters were cheering so loud that it stepped over the line. Right, so I right. went, I'm going to wait maybe a couple days. Um, but that being said, with these incredible experiences, you kind of want to emotionally be in it with people. Yeah. That's why it's fun to see movies like Get Out 
with a crowd. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, so it's like, like when I saw us, I wanted to see it with a crowd. I'm glad I did. Yeah. Uh, it, it added to the experience. This is something that I did not totally get the experience I wanted from the crowd. There were some big jokes that kind of didn't land just because there was no really energy in the room. Right. So um, the first time you saw it with 11 people late at night, right. second time. But I still, I mean, I still loved it. I cried five times. Um, I, in fact, here's what I'll say why I think why this is such a special movie for me was that. Oh, look what I cut to. Avengers Endgame. This is what in my trick I'm working on. One of the cards says Avengers Endgame. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, one of the things I, it was the only movie I've ever seen. That truly that I can think of that actually made me cry the day after I saw it. Oh, wow. I think I was driving to drive to the airport the next day <laughs> and I, and I, I was thinking about it and there's this one scene at the end uh, that just made me cry. It was just such a, um, it was, su- it was just such an incredible love letter to the fans. Yeah. yeah. It was so much of, it was, it was, it, it worked in the movie worked. I mean, my dad cried watching it, uh-huh. you know, um, it was such an incredible piece of uh, fan service. Uh-huh. It was, you know, and I, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything for you. And, and in fact, I would even argue that I've already, I, when, when someone sees a movie and goes, Oh my God, I, I cried at the end. Yeah, I even consider I mean, that a bit of a spoiler. Well, I've heard that, or, you know, yeah, uh, that's been, I, I, but I just, I, I really, you know, without getting into why it was, I didn't know what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, well, it's also a long investment because I'm. Have you seen all 22 movies? I have. Yeah. So I, that's I, like, I, I, and only one of them I did not see in theaters during the release. What was I was uh, Ant Man and the Wasp from uh-huh. last, you know, spring uh, or last summer. I think that was kind of. I was out of town for about a month in July between this funeral I just talked about and Fizm going yeah. to that um, and a few other things. Uh, I just kind of. I, I sort of missed it. Um, and, right. and so and you that, shirked your responsibilities by putting like a dead relative above it, right? So I think that's I think you know what um, kind of mistake that I know. was. He did inconvenience me with that death. Yeah, you know, well, you know, but he, he died for it. So uh, yeah. what's he gonna do? But yeah, and also, uh, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I was saying for the few months when that came out that uh, I was like, huh. So now I'm 24 now, and this is the first Marvel movie of 19 at the time, the 19th one. It's the first one that I did not see in theaters. I guess this is adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but this it was just such a emotionally satisfying experience. Cool. They said like we we know, you know, there's a lot going into this. They 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 the the level at which they reference the other 21 films mm-hmm. in ways that work if you don't know them too well and work incredibly well if you if you understand the references. Right. You know there are there are there are lines said by characters that work if you're hearing them as lines uh-huh. and work amazingly well if you understand the reference they're, and the like Easter egg they're calling back to um yeah it was it was really incredible i, I of course there are plot holes uh there are i will say to anyone who's seen the movie i would say the first act watching it almost lost me um oh the first act made some incredibly bold incredibly risky choices mm-hmm. that right next to each other i did not like uh, and then by the end of the movie, it totally won me back over. And the second time I saw it, I was on board with those first act choices. But it was interesting. Thematically, I didn't know what I was expecting. And they said, we're going to um, really go off the deep end here. But what, I, what it did very successfully, I thought, was it made you really... Uh, they really paid attention to the characters. And, you know you forget in 22 movies that each of these characters has had like a five movie arc and you forget that 
the changes and the thing, this the tragedy these characters have undergone, mm-hmm. right? So, for instance, you know, without giving away what happens, like Thor's character suffers so much loss in the movies leading up to Endgame. Mm-hmm. You know, his dad dies, his mom dies, his brother dies, uh, his uh, and then comes back to life, and his sister he has to kill her. His homeland is destroyed. Half of his people are killed by Thanos in the uh, Infinity War. Just when he raids that ship, right. he's just been through. And then uh, I will spoil Infinity War because that was a year ago. Yeah, you know, and the last thing that happens in Infinity War is he's so close to complete to saving everybody, and because he didn't, you know, he. He aimed for the wrong spot when he hit, strikes Thanos with that axe. Right. He fails and half and billions of people Wait, die. Wait, is there a spot he could have hit that would have worked? Well, because in the last line of the movie, he he hits his chest. And then, not the last line of the movie, but Thanos' last line is he says, you should have aimed for the head. And oh. as he's dying, his dying breath, he snaps his fingers. Oh. And then uh, and then that's... Have you seen Infinity War? Yeah, I just okay. don't remember that. Right. So I, that's, I, I don't remember that being a thing, but yes. Yeah, he, goes but. For, he gets them in the chest driving it into him and then in his dying breath he says you should have gone for the head snaps and then disappears into a portal right, right. so Thor kind of wears that so you don't realize over the course of the, these movies just because of how strong of a resolution he has how much tragedy is suffered and they handle that in an interesting way huh. and they go this is how he deals with it and it's a risky choice and it's very interesting so the first act is just Thor in therapy yes yeah. uh, so therapy they call it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> boom uh, okay real quick can you name all 22 movies in order, chronological order? Um, I, I can give you a 90%. I got a list right here. Okay. Uh, chronological order that came out or chronological order of the story? That they came out. Okay. Because some people say you should watch like Captain America first. Um, yeah, I can. Uh, f- for the most part. Not okay. not entirely. Um, there will be a few out of order. Can I? And I can kind of reverse engineering it by going sure. forward and backward. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter if you get it. Iron order. Man. Uh-huh. Hulk. Yep. Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Thor. Uh-huh. Captain America. Which one? Uh, for the first Avenger. Okay. Then the Avengers. Uh-huh. Immediately after that is Iron Man. Uh-huh. Thor the Dark World. Uh-huh. Um, Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. This is where I begin to lose track a little bit. I want to say uh, Age of Ultron. Uh, no, there's one in between. Um, that's not the, they didn't put out Guardians 2 by then, did they? The... Guardians 1, I'm sorry. Guardians 1. Is it Guardians 1? Yeah. Wow. So Guardians 1, Age of Ultron. Uh-huh. Uh, that's when they start. This is when they really start branching out. So I, I want to say um, Doctor Strange is next. Uh, nope. There's two before Doctor Strange. There's a sequel and there's a new hero. Is that when Civil War is? Civil War is in there. Okay, so Civil... so. But b- before Civil War, there's another fuck. one. Fuck. Uh, is Civil... So is that... Uh, Very much a side movie. Is that when Ant-Man came out? Uh-huh. Yeah, because Ant-Man has to come out before Civil War. That's right. So Ant-Man, then Civil War. Uh-huh. Then... Uh, then Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Then... Um, can you just give me the year of Doctor Strange? Uh, that is 2016. 2016. That puts us... And then 3 came out in 2017. <laughs> yeah, 2017. I don't know if I can give you the order, but I know 2017 is Guardians Volume 2, mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok. Yep. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is la- last. Of the three. Yeah. Of the three. Guardians 2, I think, is the second one of the three. Yeah. Which means first of those three would be... Um, uh, sorry, Guardians is the first of the three. Oh, Guardians is first. Then that would be uh, Black Panther's later. No, yeah, Black Panther it does come before Ragnarok. Uh-uh. No, you're right. It's after. It's after. Um, it should come before, though. Uh Let's see. I, I'm oh, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Spider-Man Far From Home. Duh. Is Spider-Man Homecoming um, a Homecoming. Disney Disney movie? 
Or is it a Sony movie? It is a Disney movie. Okay. Because Mar- Spider-Man first appears in Civil War. Okay. And then he gets his... Um, he gets so his, Sony just like let them use Spider-Man? I don't know. I don't understand the inner... The inning, inner Where's Venom story. in all this? Venom is Sony. Venom yeah. is not part of the MCU. <laughs> Venom was surprisingly enjoyable. It was pretty good, actually. Uh, after Black Panther, what do you have? Uh, after Black Panther is then um, Infinity War, uh-huh. Ant-Man of the Wasp, Captain Marvel, and Endgame. Right. And then the next one is Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. And that's the last thing they've announced. They have announced six opening dates for the next mo- six movies going right. through 2022, but I, they haven't announced what those are yet. Spider-Man, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Um, so we're at an hour 12. I think it's good for this week. The only thing I want to say is uh, Robert Downey Jr., do you know how much money he made from uh, Endgame? I know that by the middle of his run, he was pulling in about $20 million per movie. So he apparently... Like, I think for like... Iron Man you know, for the Avengers, he pulled in like twenty million. Yeah, so for so I, I so, dare say we're at least double that. So the, for the first Iron Man, he Robert Downey Jr. wasn't a backup to the top tier star that he was at the time. And when Iron Man came out, it wasn't like right. And I've I've heard a lot of interviews, especially with the Russos, talking about how what you know what an incredible achievement this is, given that he apparently the story is that they had to fight like Favreau had to, to fight. get him in. Yeah. Cause he was yeah. not, it was hard to ensure. Also the, the movies themselves, like it wasn't like the concept of doing a Marvel movie was going to be like, Oh, this is going to be a surefire. Right. Win. So apparently after, especially Iron- the, 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 uh, the choice they took, Iron Man, Iron Man is a, Iron one. Man was a risky choice. That is not the, the, the bankable number one franchise, especially following those dark Knight movies, which were popular at the time. And That's a risky knowing choice. that they didn't have access to Spider-Man or X-Men. Right. Um, so, um, because of that, they didn't have Robert Downey Jr. Like locked in for like 10 movies. They only had him for, like, I think one or two movies. So, oh, that's interesting. so he got to renegotiate. Um, oh. and so he got what's called points in all of the movies that he appears in, which means he gets a percentage of profit sharing. Oh He's, the, I believe, the only one out of the entire cast that gets this. That's interesting, because I know by the time Chris Evans signed on, that movie came out in 2011, so he probably signed on 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah. He signed on for a six-movie deal. Right, So, and they'll get big salaries, which but I they won't is... get a cut of the profits. Right. Uh, so, But Robert Downey does, and so for Endgame, uh, his estimated payroll is $75 million. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow, but I mean they're making twenty billion, so right. it's like, well, he right. kind of deserves it. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take to surpass um, Avatar as the number one. Right yeah, now, it's the number two movie. That's of what all people time. are looking at to see if it will. Uh, it's right now. It's the number. Last weekend, it was the number one opening of all time. Then yeah. it became the number the one second weekend of all time. Yeah, I think it's actually just surpassing Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's very close to hitting Avatar, and I'm sure it will. You know after six months and yeah. DVD sales and shit. Uh, let me ask you this then before we, just cause I want to talk to you about this. Yeah, yeah. What are your, I know that you have had a very rocky relationship with these movies. I just find them boring. Right. So that's, I mean, like I find almost everyone to have at least 45 minutes that I'm just like, I'm so bored. Well, this is a three hour film. Yeah. And, um, and my main issue with all of them, which is why I liked infinity war so much is that, I feel that there's very little consequences for anything in most of the movies. Mm-hmm. So there was something where one of the movies where Hulk was literally slamming Loki around for a joke. Yeah, that's what I was just talking about, Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Yeah. So I, when I saw that, I was just like, so nothing matters. Like whenever they punch each other, it literally doesn't matter at all. So it's very difficult to follow any of the like like tactical elements of these action sequences. Cause it's like nothing matters really. Right. Um, I also dislike when 
this is a real problem with Game of Thrones currently. When somebody has the ability to do something and doesn't repeatedly do it, like, uh, for example, there's... Are you a, about the Battle of Winterfell? I'm just talking about in general, but in general with Daenerys and the dragons, mm-hmm. first moment, first thought should be burn. Thanks. Right. Um, there's a great Bruce Lee movie. I don't remember which one it was. It might be the where he fights with Chuck Norris, where he kicks... I think he does, it's a fight with Chuck Norris. I think he kicks him in the knee, mm-hmm. and it hurts him. And he kicks him in the knee like nine more times. <laughs> like, like it's hilarious. Really funny. And just like, this tactic is working. I will keep doing it until I'm stopped. Uh, I do have a question for you about Endgame before we log- uh, go off. But, uh, but I, So that's why I love okay. about Infinity War. Because to me, Infinity War is like, ooh, good. Like, things are happening right. with some permanence. Right. And that's why and there's a part of me that wants to just never watch anymore. And just be like, Infinity War is the end. Like, it didn't work out great <laughs> uh right which is why i think part partly to kind of go in that direction i believe and uh one of our listeners in particular uh peter Soretta, uh who um uh, owns a like a film um blog i don't know what you, uh-huh. I, I can't think uh, also one uh, of our other listeners chris hemsworth uh right yeah um anyway he owns a, a company called slash film they do movie reviews and stuff yes and i've heard of it his daily podcast really really cool guy anyway he uh he got to go to the world premiere oh. and he vlogged about it. And I was so jealous. Um, but uh, I don't know where I was uh, going with that. But um, he has some thoughts about. Oh, right. But I say he might know the he might know whether this is true or not. This is how I remember it. But I remember that it, the movies were going to be called Infinity War Part 1 and 2. Uh-huh. And they decided to just call it Infinity War and let that be a complete story. And so that technically speaking, Endgame is sort of a different. It's not like, well, now it's going to happen. Um, you know what's the new? Uh, what's the second half of this? They decided to do that as a sort of a way of saying like this is a complete story. Then right, it right. shows up. He tries to do this. He wins. The end. Cool. And then, um, so what? My uh, question for you is: What do you, uh, um, what do you expect out of this movie? What do you hope happens? What do you hope doesn't happen? What What do you think it will be? Uh, have you seen trailers for it? Did you have? I've like, seen very little of it actually, uh, and I haven't really paid. Actually, people have been pretty good about not spoiling it. Yes, I've run into a lot more spoilers since I've seen it. I feel like oh, people, maybe you're uh, well. It's an, a week later. Yeah, and maybe you're also seeing stuff. Well, yeah. First oh, thing I know like, for sure that I'm pretty sure Thanos says I am inevitable because that has shown up in like headlines uh-huh. everywhere. Like, there's lines of Thanoses that have become like. Wouldn't it be funny if I left this comment on a YouTube video that right. I've seen enough that I'm like, that must be a line from the movie. Right. Just like when Game of Thrones came out a couple of weeks ago, everybody started uh, posting like, not today. Yeah. Or Starbucks cups. Right. <laughs> oh my God. What an embarrassment. Um, my expectation of the movie is, my, this, is my, this would be my hope for it to turn out well, is that they don't succeed in undoing everything from infinity war that's like my base expectation okay if they fucking go to a multiple universe or go back in time and do some bullshit that like and i want if they do like a half measure in that direction like they save some of the people i want them to i want there to be significant losses in the core crew okay uh other than that, I don't really care. I just want the when they go into the action sequences, I just want them to be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like the way uh, not to bring up Thrones, but like there's some great earlier battle episodes of Game of Thrones where the tactics and the progression of like how it works is very interesting. Sure, um, 
<laughs> that hasn't happened this year. Right. But uh, and if you watch a movie like Crouching Tiger, um, the fights in that are very interesting because they like have a sort of narrative into their own the rhythms of the how the fights happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I would say, um, in the middle of it, uh, if I could see some you know good double lifts. And some second deals. Nice. That'd be good. You'll get plenty if, of those. If just in the middle of it, Hawkeye just like gets out a deck of cards. Right. <laughs> uh, but I'll, you know what? I'll probably see it this week, so I'll report Great. back. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what you think of it. I think... I, my expectation is I will like it because it's literally like I haven't heard anybody not like it. Yeah, I... I, uh, I like Shazam, so... I have not seen Shazam yet. I'm dying to. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's still fine. in theaters. It's fun. Uh, Surprisingly violent. I heard that. <laughs> like weird, weirdly violent for a movie that you think you would take a kid to. Right. Um, cool. We should wrap it up. Yeah, we talked so, about Especially almost- since we haven't talked about magic for 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, we, by the way, we have an assignment. And uh, listeners, you may want to do this. Uh, my friend Amber Petty, who listens to the podcast. Oh, does she? Requested that we watch uh, one of the recent episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race. Because in that episode, the, uh, are they called queens on there? One of their their assignment was to perform magic, what? so we have to watch it and critique it. Okay. Uh, so between this episode and next w- episode, if you can find that episode and watch it yourself, you can be with us when we do our reactions next week. Right. Cool. Yeah. Sounds great. Now I don't have the outro music, so oh. just imagine. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>